This program deals with devil worship and satanic beliefs. It contains explicit scenes and descriptions of violent crimes and rituals. Americans are asking who attacked our country. You declared a subliminal jihad against the United States. Can you tell us why? Everything pertaining to what's happening has never come to the surface. The world will never know the true facts of what occurred. And night fell on a different world. And Iblis is thinking, you know, I should be getting this position, not Adam. And this guy is created from dirt. And how does the army feel about you being head of the temple of sex? And the conspiracy theorists can say what they will. But... I want you to give me power over Adam. And I want you to give me soldiers and minions and all of these things. The people's hands have had so much to gain and have such a material motive. Comrade Ladyboy uh, asks, any idea who the fathered, uh, sorry, who the father of or who fathered uh, Xena Shrek's child, Stanton LeVay? She gave birth at 14 and the father is never mentioned. Yeah, yeah. this is a this is a real head scratcher, I think, because mm-hmm. I've I've like looked into this a little bit before and. I went back like last night and yeah, I remember talking about this. uh, Yeah. I listened to, uh, Stanton LeVay, a Stanton Zaharoff LeVay, which where have I heard Zaharoff before? That's such a particular, wasn't he, wasn't Basil Zaharoff a like turn of the century arms dealer? I don't know. I've Let never me fact seen, check. Yeah, he was. He yes, was Basil Zaharoff dealer. was like a, a huge arms dealer. The I think George Bernard Shaw. The mystery man of Europe. Wow. Yes. He, yes. yes. No, he, this guy was the original, like, uh, you know, what people said when, like, Victor Boot got arrested. They were like, this guy like was, like, the original merchant of death, the original lord of war, you know, hmm. et cetera. Um, and was also, I guess, the primary inspiration for the James Bond villain, Ernst Stavro Blofeld. Hmm, wow. Um, wow. It wasn't Soros. It was him. So, so yeah. So this Stan guy. LeVay named after him? I guess well, so. Well, I don't know because like what other, uh, where else would you get the name Zaharoff? And it's spelled kind of the exact same way that it was spelled in English. So I don't know because like Anton LeVay, I mean, that wasn't his birth name, but it was, it was something, it, it was something else. Um, it was like, yeah, well, actually, no. Was it Anton Sander? He was born Howard Stanton. LeVay. Howard Stanton Levy. Yeah. Levy. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, hmm, yeah. So very kind of strange um, that he would have that name. But anyways, I listened to an interview he did like last year on the uh, the Damonosophy podcast, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I remember that one had caught my attention because he talked a lot about Michael Aquino in that episode and how in like the last years of Aquino's life that they had actually become like pretty good friends Mm, and sort of like transcended the beef, like the LeVay (laughs) Aquino beef. Wow. You know, they quashed it. And um, I mean, we talked about Xena Shrek before. I think going back to like her Aquino episode, we talked about... um, like how Xena Shrek like defected from her parents in like the late eighties 
with mm-hmm. Nicholas Shrek and joined the Temple of Set for a while and yeah. became Wasn't like she involved with Boyd Rice or am I thinking of somebody else? Yeah, yeah, uh, no, she was. Yeah. yeah. Remember mm-hmm. it was in the Geraldo special when like yeah, Boyd Rice was like Radio Verwolf. Yeah, interesting. We were just eh. talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> um and yes, it is that werewolf uh, or Verwolf. Yes. Yeah, so they were doing I mean, that it's kind of like crypt- radio verbal they're not. Cri- you know, they were sold. doing that like not so crypto Nazi shit mm-hmm. and going on like Oprah and Geraldo to like defend Satanism in the 80s. And she was just like all over the place looking like Taylor Swift. And, you know, so we're all a little bit like familiar with that. And then she was like, she was sort of in like the Temple of Set and really re- renounced Anton LaVey and mm-hmm. like talked shit about him and said he was like a sickly, cowardly old man and was like selfish and an asshole. And then I think we read like a Vice interview with her from more recent years where then she had left the Temple of Set. And then she started something. Didn't she start something called like Project Phoenix? That was like a cult yes, right. abuse, I that like recovery foundation. It was like a cult recovery thing, but it was called yeah. Project Phoenix, which we thought was, you know, we had just been talking about. It was in a, one of our the Aquino Phoenix episodes or Aquino adjacent ones. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's, you know, it was uh, it was a synchronicity of sorts. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, it definitely was. But so, yeah, so the like. There's this one grandson, I guess. I don't know if he has more grandsons, but Stanton Zaharoff LeVay is mm-hmm. uh, Zena, Zena Shrek's son, but not mm-hmm. by Nicholas Shrek because, as she's mentioned a number of times, somewhat kind of cryptically, like over the years, she got pregnant when she was 13 and then had Stanton at 14. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I went back and tried to look. And there really doesn't seem to be anywhere, like, none of the LeVays have ever said anything about who the father of this this baby is. I get that, you know, Anton LeVay is quite a libertine, um, and apparently she mentioned that she was, like, she'd be sort of present during, like, satanic orgies and stuff, like, when she was, like, a little kid, you know? Like, she was, it was just sort of going on around her the way she described it. Mm-hmm. But it really, given the uh, sensibilities of her father and his uh, yeah. milieu, it really does make you wonder, like, what the fuck is going on? And why was this? Like, she also says that it's definitely she kind not of got almost first, got. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, you're, you're definitely not the first person to suggest that. I think that that is like, you know, widely suggested to be the case uh that you know anton is the father of. of oh yeah 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 yeah. i found a reddit thread kind of talking that like there was some kind of discussion about that and that maybe yeah this is like a a a dark like incest kind of situation happening and you know what i'm not gonna lie uh the thought also ran through my mind that what if michael aquino is the father oh that's interesting yeah because i never thought about that but what you know what you, you know what made that light bulb go off is I listened to this demon on Damon Ossophy interview, which starts out with yeah. like both of them being like, Hey man, hail Satan. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they reconciled. <laughs> they and say hail Satan to greet each other. That's so and pathetic. In the beginning and the end. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> um, All right. Yeah. So, but you know, it's like, it's weird because, uh, Stanton, uh, pretty much has mostly that's only so, like sorry i just have to say that's like that's more like in like you know that's more submissive to satan than like any religion is to like to god in terms of greeting at least we say like you know 
uh, salam alaikum, like peace be upon you. Like, you know, no one is like, you know, hail God to like everyone <laughs> they meet. Like, it's like, so like well, people do say Heil Hitler, you know, mm, obviously being submissive to God is good. You know, like it's good. You know, we, well, they're submitting to somebody like, else. Yeah, they're uh, not. And they, yeah. and like, yeah, but I don't see how they're like, we're free. Like, you know, we defy you or like, whatever, you know, they're like literally nope, their hearts are being whispered into. Yeah. All right. Sorry. It's just like, oh, <laughs> we're so absurd and stupid. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So anyways, like the, yeah, the thing that made me kind of think they're beating that last be- podcast of the left. Cause you know, they have to, they have to outflank them by saying at the beginning and yeah, anyway, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, real Satanist only. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, he, he does say he speaks pretty positively. I think he calls Anton LeVay his hero and, you know, brags a lot about his grandfather, blah, blah, blah. But then he starts talking about Aquino and, you know, he, he really has like laudatory things to say about Aquino. And this is after he had died. Mm-hmm. They don't mention anything about like how he died. Right. Um, I don't know if he, n- he knew at that point or not about the shooting himself on the roof thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, he talks about how he, this is actually really creepy. The way they got in touch is because I think they, he was, uh, Stanton was selling some old, like Church of Satan, of course, like memorabilia. Still the ultimate fanboy of the Church of Satan, you know. Yes, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So, so he was selling some like you know authentic like old you know Church of Satan like souvenirs on eBay, and because Aquino is such like a nerd and <laughs> is like always on Amazon and eBay like twenty yeah. and on like message boards twenty four seven. Just in case anyone posted about Presidio, he needs to sue them. You know, yep. on it. <laughs> he's, he's a jump right <laughs> on it on eBay about yeah. And I guess like he had a habit of both like perusing ebay to see if like people were i guess he liked to collect like church of satan kind of memorabilia and he also was a huge disney freak who loved collecting (laughs) you know he wanted to like he his house is like mouse heaven heaven, you know it's just like like weird german mickey mouses like everywhere Mm -hmm. and um and he he noticed the name of you know uh, of stanton and like messaged him and they started talking and then he picked him up. They met in wow. San Francisco, and Aquino picked him up in his like vintage Shelby Cobra, and like <laughs> drove around like bullet through like the hilly streets of San Francisco, and then like drove around on the highway. You know, because he's such a car nut. And they just like <laughs> chatted about stuff and like had a great time. And then Aquino, he said, started inviting him and his family because I guess he's married and has like twin boys. He started inviting his uh, Stanton and his whole family to come down to Disneyland and like have like a Disneyland weekend and come uh, dine with him at Club 33, which he said Aquino has been like a longtime member of. I, and I, that he's just absolutely obsessed with Disney. Adult. It's so, yeah. It's such, right. yeah. I know, right? Like, he is the <laughs> ultimate Disney adult. Yeah. And he does, and so he would, yeah. he would bring, and it's it was all so in Aquino's. Just imagine him being like, excuse me, are you? Stanton LaVey, the grandson oh my of God. Yeah. Would you be interested in Disney bounding? Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's too, it's so fucking weird. I like right. the fact that it's real. It's just, yeah. 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 So, like, this would happen like one, once or twice a year, he said. Aquino would like cover the whole bill. Like, he'd fly out Stanton's whole family and they'd go and they'd dine at Club 33 and they'd have like a fun Disneyland weekend on Aquino's dime. And so, I don't know, that just made me think, I mean, it could easily be a, a sort of a thing like, 
I am your real grandfather, you know, kind of thing. Like he yeah. wants to be like the real satanic grandfather instead of Anton LaVey, you know, right. like there's, there's gotta be some kind of like satisfaction that Aquino probably got out of like bringing just like how he brought in Xena, you know, in the late eighties, how he probably got a bit of a, a thrill out of that yeah. of like, I have your own daughter and now I have your grandson. Mm-hmm. you know basically on my side so that that did but the the counter argument to that i would say is that i believe um uh, stanton was born in he would have been born in like 1977 or 78 based on how old uh xena is and that was like a couple years after aquino and levey had their like huge split so i feel like it would be like way more <laughs> way more likely if it, if the baby was born in like 1973 or something when Aquino was like there all the time and was like his right hand man and all that shit. Like I find it hard to believe that at like age 13, maybe that Michael Aquino would have like the access to Xena um, as tantalizing as kind of that, that theory. I mean, everyone's the discourse is alive this week with people claiming that so-and-so is Michael Aquino's like <laughs> grandson or granddaughter. Yeah. So I think we have to be a little bit careful about, uh, right. You know, well, that I feel saying. like is entirely based on like, that's just someone trolling. It's like based on like a superficial, like resemblance between them. I don't think there's any substance to like that particular thing. Not to say yeah. like, I'm sure that there is like some like annoying video that that person posted or whatever that caused people to say that. But you know, like, but yeah, this. nonetheless, like I, yeah. that, that's an outside theory. But then, I mean, there's like any number of people yeah. that were hovering around skeptical. that milieu that, yeah, that could that it, be. I, I just think, first of all, I mean, the, the first thing is like, was this somebody who is like her own age or was this an adult who did this? And I would say, uh, given the people involved, I'm going to put on, I, I would bet on adult did this, especially because we've never found out. Yes, it is. Well, I mean, you know, the the skeptical like or the you know the skeptoid argument i guess would be that maybe it was just like some you know kid who didn't want anything to do with it so i could see it being like another 14 year old like i don't necessarily think that it was anton lavey because i think even you know uh satanists don't have that like total topsy-turvy morality where i feel like i don't think stanton lavey and xena hated anton lavey So, like, if that were the case, she probably would have told her son, you know. Or the public, for that matter, because she was going on TV all the time and trash-talking him. Right, you know. I mean, I could understand, like, not wanting to ruin your child's life by having that hang over them. But, you know, it is strange that he would call him, like, my hero, you know, like, that maybe he would, you know, maybe she would have told him eventually. Like, I don't know. But uh, if that were the case, especially since she, you know, I feel like she wouldn't have been able to, like keep that from him yeah you know unless she told you know right like but maybe she told him a lie i don't know but yeah I, i'm not i'm not 100 percent persuaded of that but yeah it could there is there could is one su- there is one yeah. suspect that is maybe a bit of a curveball i remember i forget which episode but i know i like looked up this guy and then we sort of like i think ended up not talking about him you don't hear about this much at all but i found this sf weekly piece from 2007 called pieces of the action the subtitle is what's worth what's worse a venture capitalist or a guy who smokes crack with underage hookers so okay you know this is uh, apparently about that there's something about the, there's something about newspaper mergers in the 2000s and how 
this guy Brugman, Bruce Brugman, I guess maybe he bought the San Francisco Bay Guardian in the 2000s, and he also maybe owned the Village Voice, and he had a lot of interesting um, associates. He had a lot of interesting investors. And one of them was this man named Donald Werby. I'll just read what it says here. One of his investors was Donald Werby, described in business publications as a billionaire real estate tycoon in San Francisco. Werby, who passed away in 2002, was a friend and patron of Anton LaVey. Werby underwrote LaVey's efforts at the Church of Satan, parentheses, no, really. In 1989, Werby was indicted on 21 counts of having sex with underage prostitutes and paying for it with cocaine. One 13-year-old told the grand jury about smoking crack with the 63-year-old Werby. Huh, I missed the San Francisco Bay Guardian's coverage of their investor's indictment on child prostitution charges. So this article is mostly like attacking this media businessman for having this investor. It does say here, interestingly, Werby made headlines for years in everyone else's newspaper but Brugman's. The city's district attorney, I wonder if that was Kamala Harris, actually, revealed that Werby and his brother tried to pressure his office into dropping the investigation because Donald and his brother, Robert Werby, who spells his last name with an E, <laughs> that's so sus. He and his brother are both businessmen, but they fucking, one spells it W-E-R-B-Y and the other one spells it W-E-R-B-E. They were big campaign contributors to the DA, so whatever. Um, and then three weeks after his initial arrest, Werby was arrested again, this time for trying to bribe a witness, a pregnant 17-year-old. More headlines. Facing 15 years in prison on the sex charges alone, Werby pled guilty to a mere four misdemeanor counts and paid a fine. He served no jail time. The light sentence became the first major issue in the California Attorney General's race in 1990 when the San Francisco prosecutor, Arlo Smith, was challenged for the state office by former Congressman Dan Lundgren. Lundgren accused Smith of going in the tank and giving Werby a sweetheart plea agreement because the billionaire investor was a major contributor to the prosecutor's election coffers. The accusation was not lost in the election shuffle. In fact, the two candidates ended up in a physical confrontation over Werby. Wow. Okay. So that's just like something to think about. He was bankrolled by this sus real estate billionaire in San Francisco who got, who pled guilty to having sex and smoking crack with 13 year olds and also like getting like a 16 year old pregnant. Hmm. I wonder when, how early it was. Oh, interesting. Okay. So what, okay. We said 1977, right? I see yeah. New York Times, 1977, the same year. Hyatt Chain lays mis misuse of funds to ex-president, who I believe Donald Warby is basically uh, involved in questionable transactions with the Pritzkers, a wealthy Chicago family. Interesting. The Hyatt Corporation, one of the nation's largest hotel chains, disclosed over the weekend its findings that Hugh M. Friend Jr., its former president, had improperly used for personal purpose about half a million dollars in company funds. Mr. Friend resigned as president late last month when the questionable transactions were first disclosed by Hyatt. They were uncovered by a special counsel for the company in an inquiry that began last June. Um, this came out of like an SEC disclosure. Mr. Friend allegedly used funds from both Hyatt and a San Francisco real estate developer who has had substantial business dealings with both Mr. Friend and Hyatt. Huh. The complicated account, however, does not explain how the questionable transactions were uncovered. According to the report, Mr. Friend, who remains with Hyatt as a vice president, 
recently borrowed money from Jay Pritzker, his brother-in-law and chairman of Hyatt, to pay back all the questionable loans. The Pritzkers, a wealthy Chicago family, own 34% of the stock of the $240 million California-based corporation. The questionable transactions in the Hyatt report revolve around Donald E. Warby, a San Francisco real estate developer who managed for Hyatt a 255-unit luxury apartment building in the exclusive Knob Hill section of San Francisco. According to the Hyatt filing, over the last three years, Mr. Friend was involved in a partnership with Mr. Werby and also borrowed money from Mr. Werby, some of which originated with the Hyatt Corporation. Mr. Friend had a total indebtedness to Werby-related entities of $330,000 through June of this year. Earlier this year, while the Hyatt president owned money to Mr. Werby, the company sold him a one-eighth interest in the Knob Hill Apartments for $1 million. It required only $50,000 in cash and permitted Mr. Werby to pay only the interest charges on the outstanding obligation for 10 years. Two months later, Hyatt offered Mr. Werby an option to buy the other seven-eighths interest in the property for $8.25 million. What the fuck? Okay, this guy... Okay, so like, there's this guy getting involved in all this like corruption with Hyatt and the Pritzker family, and like doing weird embezzlement, and then he's also bankrolling Anton Lavey and the Church of Satan, and like hanging out with Anton Lavey all the time and championing him, and then also smoking crack and <laughs> having sex with thirteen year olds. Huh. So that's what I meant by the milieu that like uh, Zena yeah. grew up in. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> like wealthy businessmen who are basically Satanists, right? I mean, can we right. safely assume that if you bankroll the Church of Satan, you're like there's something- nothing substantial enough for the Church of Satan to draw like a distinction between like a bankroller and like a member. Like it's just well, yeah. yeah. Actually, it's funny because Stanton said that uh, he he issued kind of corrections in that interview about. The contra- he kind of defended uh, Anton LaVey in the whole Aquino beef of like, you can't charge like rank, you can't sell ranks. Like, this isn't like the Boy Scouts. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And that whole thing where he split in 1975. And the way that Stanton described it, he's like, what my grandfather was actually kind of going for was it wasn't that necessarily that you could buy a rank, but basically if you were already a really successful, wealthy business person, then to, to Anton LaVey, that meant that he's like, if you would tapped into like, if you would sort of tapped into the right energy, and then he clarifies like the right satanic energy to get all that money, then that means effectively that like you already are like level five. You know what I mean? It's like you're already a practicing Satanist. If like basically you're a billionaire. So mm-hmm. like, which of course is convenient because then yeah. they can give you a bunch of money and stuff. But actually there is a kind of internal logic to that. That like, you know, yeah. like uh, why should they've already proven their satanic bona fides by yeah. amassing yeah. this yeah. like point. gigantic fortune and being corrupt and mm-hmm. being like, you know, they really are sh- like exhibiting like satanic values. And it's interesting that he would kind of, uh, kind of describe it that way because if his father was Donald Werby like he was basically describing his own dad you know I'm not saying that's that 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 it, I've solved it but I mean that's the thing is there's probably like 30 people at least around Anton LaVey who could be reasonable suspects for being like the father of Zena's child um 
like including but definitely not limited to Anton himself. But this guy, I mean, he was engaged. It sounds like he was engaged in like real satanic praxis, uh, defrauding Hyatt, you know, in 1977. So Anton must have, you know, he must have been on good terms with him all the way through the early 90s, I guess. It, well, that doesn't say they necessarily stopped being friends after he got busted. But now this is interesting. Uh, other, the report further stated other questionable transactions involving Hyatt and Mr. Werby were, were originally accounted for in a, quote, inappropriate manner on the internal books of the corporation. The report also detailed forms of Mr. Friend's compensation, which had not been previously disclosed to the SAT. These include a total of about $300,000 in unauthorized, quote, interest-free advances, some of which were paid back, Hyatt said, and $75,000 in, quote, unsubstantiated travel and entertainment expenses. The company also disclosed it had paid for certain life insurance premiums for Mr. Friend, totaling about $68,000. The company said the questionable transactions it was disclosing did not have material effect on the financial condition of the company. So I don't know. $75,000 in unsubstantiated travel and entertainment expenses and seventy five grand in like $1977 is... That's a, lot. That's a few hundred grand, right? So yeah. would that be, you know, prostitute cocaine uh budget perhaps i don't know but it's it's hard to say um a lot a lot of the church of satan people that run it today by the way like hate uh stanton zahara yes apparently they do yeah right they despise him because he like is trying to kind of like take over or like start his own thing um but they seem kind of jealous. They, they, a lot of people like say that he's like a on meth all the time. So I don't mm-hmm. know about that. But uh, that, and then he's always like clout chasing and like bragging. There was this one really funny live journal that I found from 2005, Satanist.livejournal.com. <laughs> oh yeah. It was yeah. like this like mm-hmm. point by point that. like refutation of this long screen. Of a, yeah, like, like an email or like a Facebook message that Stanton LeVay sent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like he has these numbered know. points that are hilarious. Uh, the, the one I, I plucked out that was kind of funny and maybe telling is uh, it was point twenty five. This is Stanton talking in 2005. Uh, quote, I am a darling of Hollywood and the stars that rise and fall here. I spent weekends as a boy with either of my famous godfathers, Kenneth Anger or Richard Lamparski, who would take me with him on his interviews with Iris Adrian, Ish Kabibble, Johnny Eck, the half-man from the movie Freaks, Dorothy Reaver, Billy Curtis, the mayor of Munchkinland and the Wizard of wait Oz. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is he still using the term half-man for like... Oh, he actually means like in the film Freaks, you know, the one who yeah. played the character of the half man. All right. Okay. <laughs> yes. um, he was yeah. like, okay. I don't know what else that would mean, but yeah, um, well, you know, it could mean like someone with, with dwarf pathological dwarfism, you know, may, I, I think it's like, like somebody cut in half thing. or something. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, okay. Th- this one's weird. Joy Hodges, who discovered Ronald Reagan and sent him to Hollywood to become an actor for his series of books called Whatever Became Of, to name a few of the silver screen greats I knew before they died. I spent evenings in the company of writers like Jacques Vallée and Arthur Lyons and socialites like Samson Debreer and David Deval. Oh, he's hanging out with Jacques Vallée, I guess. How, how sophisticated. And Kenneth Anger, of course, his mm. godfather. Yes. Did we talk about Richard Lamparski? I I know. I don't know if we have. I don't. I know that maybe. name is familiar. I like mean, there's her, so much uh, backlog that yeah. He wrote a couple. He wrote uh, he wrote Hollywood Diary and Manhattan Diary and Lamparski's Hidden Hollywood. Huh. 
And he did an interview with Dorothy Parker. He mm-hmm. Oh, and he was also a gay pornography dealer. Okay, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, that, I'm that tracks. Some more, like, he was a PR man. I'm reading some more gossip on our Satanism right now, the ultimate source on, on all uh, satanic oh, information. Oh, yeah, they don't like him. Uh, I mean, he no, also, didn't he get arrested for kidnapping a teenage girl with his yes, wife and, exactly like, forcing her to have sex? Reading, assaulting a 19-year-old <sighs> girl. Stanton Zaharoff LeVay, 33, and his girlfriend, Michelle Nicely, were arrested in Tulare County, uh, by Tulare County Sheriff's deputies after the girl contacted police at 2.34 p.m. Well, sorry, 12.34 p.m. Wow, 1, 2, 3, 4 p.m. Hmm, on January 22nd, Yikes. and told them that they sexually assaulted her three days earlier. The girl told authorities that she went to the couple's home uh, that afternoon, three of them smoked marijuana together, but after that, the girl claims the couple would not let her leave. They bound her hands with tape. Wow, forced her to watch... Wow, okay. Forced her to watch pornography yeah. and then sexually assaulted her. Yeah, and they're upset that he, you know, Aquino is teaming up with Stanton LeVay. And they're saying, how stupid is Aquino to publicly throw his lot in with Stanton, considering the allegations of sexual molestation in Aquino's past? Um, well... <laughs> yeah. Maybe birds of a feather. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do, um, do satanic rituals together. I don't know. It's sa- that sounds very much like a meth crime. Like it sounds yes. very like chaotic and like, but still satanic, you know, right. as, as many meth crimes are. They're like literally. Satanic. Wow. They really um, hate Aquino in this sub. Aquino and his machinations caused the breakup of the church of Satan. He was at Oz Anton LaVey over Aquino's love of awards, degrees and titles and his belief in an actual personal being, the devil. Now Aquino is trying to ride on LaVey's name by making a revised satanic Bible which spouts Aquino's beliefs. No one cares Oh, yeah, he Aqu- published that with Stanton. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. They got very close in the last few years of his life. I, I yes. do think that is probably like a, a kind of adoptive satanic grandfather kind of yeah. scenario. But maybe right. Aquino like knows who his father is. You know, I don't know. But I it's just very... It, she also mentioned in an interview and that... That she got kicked out of her home after she, right after she had her baby at 14, which, you know, is just kind of basically fucked up on, like, a yeah. parental level. But also, like, what? Like, what the fuck are you people do? So, I don't know. It, th- that almost cuts a little bit against the idea that, like, this is all part of some, like, evil ritual or something that they all were in on. I guess, yeah, they were wanted upset. Her in, like a Dr. Hodel pleased. thing. Yeah. They were mad. But I could just as easily see, like, maybe one of their followers, like, did something bad and they were so kind of like narcissistic and checked out and like not acting like responsible parents that inevitably something like that was going to happen with all these weirdos hanging around. It's hard to say. It's very eerie. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a mystery. Uh, There's no real like smoking gun in terms of who the father is that I know of. Um, I don't think Xena has ever, the most she said is like, we got kicked out and the, and the, I think she might have said, like, the father and his family, like, refused to support us, which kind of makes it sound like it was, like, a young guy, like a teenager or something. But she also, I mean, she's being so guarded about, like, the identity of this person that maybe that's, like, a diversion to, like, be, oh, yeah, like, he was, like, 16 or something like that. When, in fact, if he was, like, a corrupt, wealthy, like, real estate tycoon in San Francisco, she would have to, like, not talk about it because this guy was like i don't know i mean he got caught like trying to bribe a pregnant 17 year old that he probably got pregnant to like not testify against him and shit so 
I love the name other people like that. of the guy who wrote that. Uh, what you're saying is more important than this, but I just want to say that I love the name of the guy who wrote that long, like point by point refutation of Stanton LeVay's like methed out screed was uh, named Maggie Stare Svengali. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, yes. And apparently, uh, Stanton LaVey, uh, Stanton LaVey, the dumb guy part of my personality loves big cars, hot chicks, and Mexican food. I'm the best to my friends and the worst to my enemies. Of both, I have few. So if you make either list, you can call yourself special, as my ugly friend, uh, sorry, as my friend, Ugly Shyla puts it. I love my girlfriend, Sandora, and my animals. His girlfriend has taken the name Zandora, which I find to be weird, you know, like Sandor. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so like Brock Rector. Yeah. Whoever his father is, he doesn't seem to. Uh he know. doesn't seem to be very like like interested in saying he doesn't really say whether or not like if he knows who his father is, but you know what I mean? Like he just totally steer he's like all about talking about like his lineage and like all these other things, but maybe they like it that way. It's kind of like mystical it's mysterious. Like mm. his dad could be anybody. I'm all, I'm seeing here actually interestingly that uh, Richard Lemparski interviewed Dorothy Parker I think in the 1960s which was broadcast on WBAI the mm. you know New York affiliate of Pacifica I don't know what yeah I really don't know what else uh, he was up to except um, trafficking in gay pornography and doing PR for all the studios oh actually he did that kind of he did that sort of before. He did that in New York in the early 60s and then reinvented himself as a broadcaster, launching his interview show on WBAI in March 1965. Huh. Interesting. So, <laughs> OK, course. so. Oh, and he guess where he retired to um, Santa Barbara, California. All right. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Aquino's favorite place um, <laughs> where it's where Seth spoke, literally. Yeah. Didn't they say who said that it was like it was one of the two or three like most new agey places in like the entire country? Santa Barbara. All that theosophy shit was going on there. Hmm, I don't remember. We found so many connections. But anyways. um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's a mystery, I guess, at the end of the day. Uh, One day, inshallah, we hope to crack it. But for now, I don't know. His his adoptive father was michael aquino who took him to disneyland all the time so. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> beyond just, belief. all right i mean it's not right. beyond belief but it's still uh
bad. And I will read number seven from Yalatif786 on August 12th, Latif, 2021. Please. Latif? Yes. Yeah, okay. Latif. You know, like. Sorry, bravo. Oh, gentle right. one. Yeah. So he asks Been listening to Chris Knowles and Tracy Twyman, and they both bring up Chris Cornell's death as being sketched, but don't offer details. What's up with Chris Cornell, and is there anything suspicious about his death? Hmm, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like there's a few. I mean, some other Groddoites brought up. They some, chimed in. They chimed in. Yeah, we got we got some secret things. sun heads yeah. in the grotto. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Drew Time. I yeah, know, he, Buttercup Joe, uh, a big figure in the grotto, weighed in as well. He's known for, uh, you know, his very... Uh, uh, out there, uh, you know, uh, very uh, in, uh, encompassing uh, theories, but he has he has a good one here, in which I'll, I'll read. Buttercup Joe weighed in and said, "One thing I know is Cornell was likely a Mason. He owed a pug dog. He owned a pug dog. He owed a pug dog some money. I don't know, but he owned a pug dog. And there were suggestions that he was a member of the Order of the Pug, aka Mops Orden, which was unusual in that it was founded by Catholics. Masonry has usually been at odds with the Vatican." True. Supposedly, Cornell was working on some kind of expose involving child trafficking with Chester Bennington and the Lincoln Park guy. But then again, I've heard people speculate that the two were the same person. This is part of some kind of doppelganger slash tulpic right at play in the higher echelons of Masonic society. Famous people switching places, playing the part of actors and stage events, creating tulpas to assume the role of other as a kind of insurance clause in case they get taken down. Like the accusation that uh, Avenici, is it Avenici? Avenici, the deceased singer. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought I was talking about Paul Avenatti for a second. Uh, <laughs> or the, you know that guy uh, who was around for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Avenici, the deceased singer, is Tom Brady. The deceased tight end Aaron Hernandez is Bad Bunny. The American gun activist David Hogg is Ben Shapiro. That is one I have not heard. Huh. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Get really strange. And then you have the Secret Society of Wardrobe Investigators. All right. Interesting. Well, that's what Butter are wardrobe investigators? Take, uh, which I. I don't know. I could look into it. The Coven of Wardrobe Investigators. Uh, the first thing that comes up is trapezoid related. Um, really? Hmm. What? Interesting. I get wardrobe, one yeah. weird hit from like dailyblocks.tv. What is Buttercup Joe into? And it's a video that is unavailable. A tale of two triangles. It's a trapezoid. Gnostic Christian astronomy. Dr. D. James Kennedy. It's on huh. BitChute. It's like, you know, a video that's like not... Oh, here we go. The Coven of Closeted Wardrobe Investigators. Interesting. Yeah, okay. I'll have to, we'll have to come we're, back we'll, to that. Yeah, we'll yeah. maybe yeah. explore we, some that, of these. That's a real curveball. Uh, well, all let, right, let, but anyway... Let me, read, just... let me read some of the other ones, too. Yeah, uh, for sure. The, we're going to lean on the grotto for this question. We're going to collectively mm-hmm. uh, solve let's it. See. Yeah, let's crowdsource uh, and session. see what we come up with. Yes, yeah. so I guess this is from NT's podcast. Maybe somebody wrote this as a summary. Mm-hmm. I know because yeah. NT has hinted multiple times at this kind of theory, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, they wrote, uh, main points are, there's a 45, approximately 45-minute 45 span, 11.30 to 12.15, between when Cornell finished playing a set at the hotel he was staying at, MGM Grand Casino Hotel, and when his security guard, quote, found him dead. He was not visibly intoxicated at the performance, but his wife says he was incomprehensible when they spoke by phone around 11.45. 
That call is supposedly what prompted the security guard to have to kick down two doors to find Cornell dead. There is supposedly tape of the hallway, but no video of the guard kicking down the main door, parentheses, a steel cord, dead bolted, Detroit casino hotel door, no less, has ever been released. Okay, so I guess this was at the MGM Grand in Detroit? Mm-hmm. Where this interesting. Um, another person wrote, he had four sleeping pills in his system, which is twice what the security guard said he gave Cornell at 1135. The other sus thing is that Cornell was dead set on getting his Apple TV to work and placed at least two calls to have an engineer from the hotel come set it up as the security guard was unable to. It's odd that a man about to wrap a rubber exercise band around his neck minutes later would be so concerned about watching TV. No one has ever followed up on the engineer, nor has CCTV been released of that either. Interesting. Uh, and then somebody named, I, I guess, uh, okay. Oh, they said, like, I guess this is the surface level explanation. Wife did it for the money. Deeper, Cornell had been abused as a child and was leveraging his fame and money to highlight the problem. Deeper, and so he was whacked. See Chester Bennington, Anthony Bourdain, supposedly. Hmm. Okay. And it's Drew time also chimed in and said, Cornell had a really bad PCP trip when he was 14. I wonder if he had if he had some entity kind of possession since he is named Horned Christ. That is true. Chris mm. Cornell. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I guess Secret Son has, I think, gone into that. Um, the trauma yeah. he experienced was probably worse than he let on. Uh, they also say he was in good he was in good spirits before he died, but it could have been because he had made his decision and was full of relief. Yeah, that is possible, but it is that that is a little strange. Also, I remember this was like a cluster of suicides. I think it was in 2018 when you had Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, Chester Bennington, and Chris Carnell all commit suicide in hotel rooms with kind of the same exact method of strangulation. Similar honestly, like hanging method, right? Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, kind of like a similar echoes to, to Epstein um, a little, you mm-hmm. know, a year later. Um, not saying there's any connection there, but it's like that kind of thing of like, yeah, either taking a scarf or an exercise band. And yeah, like, we talked about this as like the red scarf killings. Mm-hmm. I guess they weren't all red scarves, but Kate Spade maybe was. Yeah, right. Uh, Kate Spade was. Yeah, Kate Spade yeah. was a red scarf, and I think Anthony Bourdain's was as well. And I know NT from Crazy Days and Nights like dropped a lot of blinds that were kind of hinting at Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington, who I guess were friends, were like working together on a documentary about you know child sex abuse and stuff. And I guess I think Chester Bennington had spoken before about how he had been abused as a child. Yeah, Lincoln Park, Chester Bennington revealed horrific child um, abuse. He was molested from the age of seven, which he said was behind. Uh, He was abused by a childhood friend for six years as he suffered in silence, and he said that was what was behind his substance abuse. Apparently, Anthony Bourdain killed himself with a belt from his bathrobe. Oh, wow, interesting. Yeah, maybe it was a red, I don't know. It feels like there probably isn't like confirmation of the color of his bathrobe, but... Um, it must have been a pretty sturdy bathrobe belt, though. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could, like, rig it some way that it would be, but... The the, the other kind of strange thing uh, is, like, Chester Bennington's father, I think, was a uh, LAPD detective. 
and he said his dad was not very emotionally stable like during his teen years and during the period where he was being um, assaulted by a friend who was a few years older than him. I guess a male friend. Yeah, he sort of turned to drugs. Uh, he told Metal Hammer in 2016, I was on 11 hits of acid a day. I dropped so much acid, wow. I'm surprised I can still speak. I'd smoke a bunch of crack, do a bit of meth, and just sit there and freak out. Whoa. Okay, so he was really... Then I'd smoke opium to come down. I weighed 110 pounds. My mom said I looked like I stepped out of Auschwitz. So I used pot to get off drugs. Every time I get a craving, I'd smoke my pot. In 2006, I had a choice between stopping drinking or dying. I did some counseling with the guys, and they really opened up and told me how they felt. Uh, I had no idea it had been such a nightmare. Huh. This culture yeah. is so evil. It like, really it's is. It's so like, evil that it like facilitates like this. You know, just absolutely. That was such a weird era, too, where you had, like, this kind of, like, rap new metal that was just so, like, pessimistic and full of rage. Like, in going back end, to, like, Woodstock 99. Like, crawling in yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, these wounds, they will not heal. Like, it's, like, you know, and, like, cutting was a really big thing. I think there was, like, I think there was some, like, broader mass, like, psychological, like, interplay going on between... I don't know. I mean, it, it's always like a feedback loop, right? But the prevalence of like, like the kids aren't all right kind of music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like everybody, it, it was, it's funny how we like don't talk about it like that anymore. Cause it was like in, in the 90s, it was like drugs, gangs, teen pregnancy, the kids aren't all right, you know? And mm -hmm. like all those old like daytime talk show things we'd watch, like Donahue. And yeah. it's like, there's nothing for kids, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, know, there's nothing yeah. for kids to do. And that kind of thing was, but get then it was job. monetized. They need to get, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 the radical, yeah, the, the satisfaction. But it was commodified so skillfully yeah. in like the late 90s and like early 2000s. And I mean, I you know, okay, Linkin Park is like, I, I feel like I was a year too old to like really vibe with Linkin Park. I mean, I'm like old, younger than you, and I couldn't really vibe with Linkin Park either, so I don't know if that's the determining factor. I mean, I kind of like crawling the first time I heard it, but I never really got into Linkin Park. They're, like, um, good at what they do, but I always felt like, you know... Yeah. I mean, th th it's like you have to sustain that level of, like, rage and pain, like, every concert... And like well, I mean, I was all about, well, maybe not rage, but like, you know, I mean, I loved like bright eyes and cursive and like sad music with like, you know, very yeah. sad themes. But I think it was like the cringiness of crawling that I couldn't 100% get down with. Maybe it was a bit too. Well, I mean, it didn't, I didn't have this like grandiose mean, music necessarily either. I was just listening to Smashing Pumpkins like a few days ago. I was like doing a little Smashing Pumpkins retrospective. <laughs> so I don't know. If, yeah, it's just something about it. It's just not, you know. Not my scene. I don't know. Um, I don't know. But they they were good at like they were good in their lane uh, doing what they did. But it's still it's like looking back at like the retrospectives people had about like all the bands at Woodstock 99. First of all, it was funny that like some people did point out. I think like Dave Holmes, the VJ, pointed out like like this is actually like the perfect place to like move Woodstock to for like this type of music. It's like angry, like frat bow, frat bro, Air Force like festival mm -hmm. basically you know like and it was i think we've talked before about how like some of this music really did end up feeling almost like emotional prepping for like 9 <laughs> 11 and like going to war it's like what uh, was everybody so mad about in like 1998 you know and then but the like if you look at like this like young male kind of rage it's almost like being channeled 
in this like very juvenile yeah violent. I mean, we talked about like the music video for rolling right and they're like dancing around the world trade center <laughs> did we talk about that on, on sj yet like they're dancing around like on like you know on the, the twin towers like you know because that. Like, that must have come rolling, out rolling, like, like did that come out in 2001 uh, I think so. Like, I think I, I mean, I, I used to joke that that was like the reason why like Bin Laden decided that like they had to go down like because of that song. Hmm. Yeah, it was in 2000. Wow. Yeah. The music video was filmed in September 2000 atop the South Tower of the then World Trade Center in New York City. I wonder if we ran into Josh Harris. The introduction <laughs> features Ben Stiller and Stephen Dorff mistaking Fred Durst for the valet and giving him the keys to their Bentley Azure. I remember that. Also making yeah. a camo is the break. See, it's like Mr. those Wiggins. slights. Like, you know, Fred yeah. Durst has a reason to be pissed off. Like, people are treating him like he's like yeah. a punk. Like, you know. Interesting. Okay, back to Chris Cornell. It's interesting. His father was an Irish Catholic pharmacist, and his mother was a Jewish accountant and self-proclaimed psychic. Hmm. Huh. On September 10th, 2001, Wimp Biscuit received a letter from the World Trade Center thanking them for reaching the towers in the video. <laughs> no apparently what? what the fuck that That's is weird. that is wikipedia That's but it does have a link I'm, I'm going to confirm it right now on this archived uh mtv interview all by the way all those all those bands are interscope bands i'm just gonna leave it at that that is the spiral record label we received uh, a letter the day before the attack thanking us for letting them be a part of a video that won an award the 2001 VMA for best rock video. Oh, that's fucking weird. Anyways. Um, yeah. Huh. So, yeah, it does say here that Cornell did had a bad, he had a bad PCP experience at the age of 14 and later suffered from panic disorder and agoraphobia. Hmm. So he was experimenting pretty young. He went to Catholic school for a while, but he was too much of a free thinker. So right. he left. I mean, I don't, the thing is, like, I don't know if it's ever actually been substantiated that Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington were working on a documentary about child trafficking or child sex abuse. That sounds like it could theoretically be bullshit um, just to, like, you know, provide, like, an easy explanation, which might not be there. Did you like if you haven't found anything to like, you know, substantiate well, that? How about this? Um, Roy, when I type in just when I type in Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington documentary, I get two big old fact checks right away on Google. Okay. One from Reuters and one from USA Today. Fact check. No link between celebrities deaths. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, OK, so they said they were all died by suicide where they were working on the film. Silent Children is the claim in USA mm-hmm. Today. So silent, and and they say Anthony Bourdain was also working on it, and then they all died. And I guess Avicii, remember Avicii, the EDM guy? Mm-hmm. He did, died in like he died in like Qatar or something. Like he he died in the Gulf in a very or maybe it was Dubai, but yeah. very weird. I didn't even um, realize that he died. Um, oh yeah, he yeah. Passed away um, in Oman. Yeah, maybe he saw on April twentieth. Maybe he saw Zelensky. Oh my god, no, he saw too much. Okay, um, wait. Okay, so the claim: Avicii, Chester Bennington, Anthony Bourdain, and Chris Cornell all died by suicide while working on the film *Silent Children*, a year-old conspiracy that recently gained traction on social media, is linking four celebrities' deaths to a long-abandoned film project. 
quote, this is from some Facebook post, isn't it interesting that Avicii, Chester Bennington, Anthony Bourdain, and Chris Cornell all committed suicide while working on a documentary called The Silent Children about widespread pedophilia, they, they, or pedophilia, they misspelled pedophilia. it, slash tracking, uh, trafficking, reads the text of a Facebook post, but the project was canceled after Cornell's death. Hmm. The claim is wrong on several fronts. Okay, let's see what they got. Uh, DJ producer Avicii, singers Bennington and Cornell, and Chef Bourdain played no part in the production of Silent Children, as independent fact-checking organizations have noted. The celebrities were not related to the film project in any manner, a spokesperson said. Their deaths occurred after the project was already shelved. Silent Children was abandoned five years ago for issues unrelated to the celebrities. Yes, we were. Huh. Uh, yeah, we were forced not to make it uh, in more mundane ways. Um, yeah, like uh, and <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Th- this is they they talk about the film a little bit because now I'm curious about what is this like Silent Children. So Arthur Gorson, the film's spokesperson. That's weird that a film has a spokesperson. Told USA Today there is no truth to the claim. Quote, we never had any contact with the people mentioned in the post, Gorson said. We never had any emails. We, we've never reached out for funding to those people. So there was never any legitimate connection. None of the celebrities named in the Facebook post appear in the credits of the 2011 Silent Children promo video uploaded to YouTube either. The assertion that there's a link between the film and the deaths of the four celebrities is also baseless, Gorson said. The celebrities each died by suicide at different times, not while the film was still in production, as the user claims. Hmm. Well, I mean, they could be killed at different times. Uh, Interesting. Silent Children was supposed to be a documentary about child trafficking, especially in countries where the authorities might have been in league with the traffickers, Gorson said. The film faced funding issues and was abandoned in 2017, before the deaths of Avicii and Bourdain. The company behind the film, Jelly Bean Productions, LLC, was dissolved in January 2017. This occurred before Cornell's death, another fact the claim gets wrong. We've decided to stop the project where it was, and that had nothing to do with Chris Cornell ever, Gorson said. Based on our research, we rate, all caps, FALSE, the claim that Avicii, Bennington, Bourdain, and Cornell all died by suicide while working on the film Silent Children. The celebrities had no connection to the documentary whatsoever, a spokesperson said. At least two of their deaths occurred after the project was already shelved. Well, I mean... (laughs) I mean, again, like I said, I feel like that sounds like, you know, uh, some QAnon-type thing that, like, some, like, meme that just got, like, spread around, like, trying to find, like, an obvious, like, connection between, like, these things where... You know, I don't know if there is a connection between them beyond just that, like suicide sometimes has a contagious element. um, And also, like they were living in the the incredibly toxic culture of the, you know, of celebrity itself. Like Hmm. then it might be something a bit like subtler, um, you know, or more esoteric in some way. Yeah, I I mean. It could be totally I true. I mean, I would be, like, you know, uh, intrigued by the, like, continual theme of the red scarf if there seemed to be anything to that. It seems like there was only really one red scarf. Maybe Anthony Bourdain's bathrobe was red, but it doesn't seem yeah. to know for sure. The problem is... And that, that still was only two, you know? Like, Chris Cornell's thing wasn't red, was it? I don't think so. No, it was an exercise, kind of, uh, like a one of those um 
yeah, like exercise bands. Yeah, which probably wasn't red in color. I mean, I guess it could be, but it's still not a scarf. It could you have know? been. Well, I mean, sometimes <laughs> I think we get hung up on things like this, like, ooh, like the, the criminal left his signature. Like, you yeah, know, that exactly. means it's connected. Yeah. It's like uh, they could easily like it's probably like bad OPSEC to like kill everybody in exactly the same way. So maybe you do want to make it look like slightly different. Well, I mean, that's like it, that's part of the point. Like some criminals do like, you know, want to leave their signature because that's part of the point. But no, I, yeah. I mean, I do get your your point, but I'm, I'm just saying like that would, you know, like actually if that were true which it you know we'd have no we don't really know if it is that would at least suggest like a connection beyond like the fact that they all killed themselves around the same time um and you know there is no like there's doesn't seem to be any real like indication that like usually if you read these fact check articles like you know they might debunk it but they actually can you know you actually can put together like what exactly they're debunking or whether like they are like you know whether they're debunking the actual substance of it or not and it seems like in that case like you know the people involved in the documentary even said like that they weren't involved so i don't know oh you know what this is interesting on the reuters fact check they mentioned one of the facebook posts uh that you know is wrong but it talks about the silent children project the project initially founded by leroy moore dave Hmm. matthews band and his fiance lisa bean was canceled after cornell's death now i think he that is one of the guys that is, is that the fiddle guy from Dave Matthews? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He died. He died in 2008. I remember. Oh no. He's the, the saxophone player mm. from, uh, from DMB. And so that's interesting that his fiance is Lisa bean of jelly bean productions, who is like mm. basically the co-producer with that guy who talked to USA today. So like, okay. So that's interesting. She's like, she was at least engaged to kind of a, you know, professional musician, kind of famous professional musician that that would make it a little bit more. I mean, unless they're totally making that up. Yes. No. OK. Yeah. Remembering the great Leroy Moore. He gave me incredible love and a beautiful life together. I miss his physical self. Yeah, this is like a Facebook post. So they yeah, they met in 2004 in Los Angeles. There's all these articles on here of her like memorializing him. Mm-hmm. So, OK, so she did have some kind of connection to like the music business. And maybe the thing is, is like they're saying that like, well, like if you look at the 2011 like sizzle reel on YouTube, there's no mention of like Chester Bennington. And well, know, but they uh, also spoke to like, or the other one spoke to someone like who worked for the, you know, pr- company that was producing a documentary. And like they said that there wasn't any involvement from those people. That was what was more persuasive to me. Well, it, I, that's the thing. It's like that guy, um, the like Lisa Bean's partner, whose name mm-hmm. I've already forgot, but uh, the guy who USA Today talked to. Let's see, Gorson. Yeah, so Gorson and Bean were like the two people trying to make this movie, and he says like, "Oh, I never, I never talked to anybody about that shit." Uh, which, yeah, like totally that that's convincing because he's one of the people that worked on it. But I don't know. At the same time, I feel like with documentaries like that, sometimes. Like they'll be in production for years. And especially if you're like, you know, married to somebody who's in a famous band, like you probably meet other people who are like kind of famous through like the social networks in LA. And maybe you kind of have conversations like, oh, we have this documentary we really want to make. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe she met somebody socially uh, who knew Chris Cornell and were like, maybe she thought. 
I don't know. I'm just thinking about like there's there's all kinds of I wonder where this like rumor started basically. Because like how how did yeah. people discover this very obscure project that didn't get made and tie the names of all these people to it? And then the people like at least one of the guys who was in charge of the project is like, "Oh, I never talked to any of those guys." But it's also unclear like like they dissolved in 2017 this production company. Uh, Jelly Bean Productions, which mm. it would seem to be, it would seem to mean like they stopped trying to make this movie before most of these people died, right? Yeah, like a year, like a, a year basically before all these people died. So yeah, it's it's very flimsy, but I'm I'm curious as to like why, where did the who originally spread this kind yeah, of yeah? That's like uh, something story. that just like blows my mind sometimes. Like you know, maybe there is something to it. Like maybe. Uh, someone like heard this like from somebody like you know maybe but sometimes i you know someone says do find it baffling like and you know maybe this one in some way like loops back around to like the the nature of the internet in some way it always i always find it like just so strange how people will like just make stuff up you know like and then like disseminate it like on there you know and i i mean some of it probably like is knowingly made up for like some kind of like sauce purpose. But I do think that like for whatever reason, there's also a phenomenon like of people just making, I don't know. It's, it's strange. Maybe I'm maybe like, but I mean, I'm not saying that that's the case. Maybe like there was like something to it or like someone, but I mean, I don't know if like, like what would the other, like Lisa Bean like put it out there? Like, you know, I mean, Holy shit. Wait, hold up. It's about to get weirder. All right. Okay. Yeah. It's about to get weirder because I I looked up Arthur Gorson and he's got his own damn like I, I he kind of sounded to me like maybe like not the most like big time and guy like, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. But he's got his own Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. And okay. let's just let's just get a little sampling of how he got to start. He, he got how he started his career in show business. So I guess he has experience as a cinematographer screenwriter, cameraman, record producer, uh, and film producer. He's from New York. He did a lot of photographic work with Bob Marley, which I guess has been widely published. Um, How about this? He was a student activist. American protest singer Philip Ox noticed his organizational skills and invited him to be his manager. The Arthur H. Gorson Management Company went on to represent Ox and singers David Blue, Tom Rush, Jim and Jean, and Eric Anderson. He produced concerts at Carnegie Hall and was the first to present The Who and Cream in concert. He packaged his folk performers together and sent them on tours where they played at venues around the country. He then expanded into record production, producing Blue's debut album and Rush's The Circle Game. Hmm. Then he went on to head production companies based in New York um, and then went to, he went out to L.A., was a producer for Dream Street Inc. with offices at Universal and Paramount, working with directors such as Tony Scott, Taylor Hackford, and Andrei Konchalovsky. Um, was he a Soviet defector? Maybe. I'm not sure. Let's see. He also produced Kronos, the first Guillermo del Toro movie. Mm, huh. Yeah. And that movie, uh, is, I'm reading this article too now, and uh, you know, it's one of those... Uh, you know, that has like no citations and seems to have been like written by the person himself or something. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. He is credited as a good producer on Tamir uh, Bekmanbatov's groundbreaking 2005 film Nightwatch. Uh, do you remember that? It was like that uh, 
Russian. It's a Russian movie. Yeah, it's like a Russian vampire movie. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> he made a reggae. He had a lot of like Jamaican connections. He's I like very this, this like called groundbreaking too. Like, huh. but anyway, yeah, sorry. Uh, Interesting. Um, so he made a documentary, The Roots of Reggae. Um, that okay, and he photographed Bob Marley a lot. Interesting. The guy who might have been murdered by the CIA. Let's see. So his recent commercial credits include Sea World Parks and Entertainment, Century Twenty One, California Lottery, Mazda, Frito Lay, Gillette. Cuddy Sark, Gatorade. I'm trying to look for some sus ones. Mortal Kombat, uh, Mars Bars, and Tommy Hilfiger. Ooh, okay. Check this out. He has produced over 50 top music videos for artists such as Dave Matthews Band, Lisa Marie Presley, Evanescence, Marilyn Manson, Stevie Nicks, Ozzy Osbourne, Tommy Lee, Dr. Dre, Iron Maiden, Slayer, Everlast, Damian Marley, Daughtry, Shooter Jennings, Velvet Revolver, and Cypress Hill. Wow. That's quite like an MTV lineup right there. Hmm. Interesting. And then, so I guess he's he's really been around for like a long time. But okay, going back to the beginning though, he started out as Phil Ox's manager. That's going to be a yikes for me, dog. Like <laughs> we, we still have to do, he's on the list. I think we're going to drop, a, I think we got to do a Phil Ox episode yeah, in the near future because he combines yeah. so much of like, 60s counterculture music like somebody maybe getting mk'd and like brainwashed into thinking they're a cia assassin named john butler train really fucking i mean because he was one of the more like really political folk singers you know really kind of like to the left of like dylan and pete even like pete seeger and stuff so the fact that this guy started out with phil ox and then I and mean, then yeah the phil ox connection is theoretically sus but like what are we saying like he's sus because like he worked in this documentary, but he's like someone who actually was making the documentary that like allegedly these people like were killed for like support. Well, it's true. Yeah, I wouldn't want to <laughs> sus jacket him. Also, like um, he would be if if in fact they were they did have some involvement, like he would be lying to the press basically and like, yeah, you know, like, covering it like up. He was they, making maybe the out documentary <laughs> like as a honeypot, like to lure in people who would support it so that they could be. No, exactly. Like, maybe I mean maybe he was trying, and then he got the message loud and clear. And so when USA Today so fact checkers call, it. he's mm. like, "No, I never met them. I never, no, nothing." I mean, it just seems like, like if you're this type of guy who definitely has like a real like kind of a well, maybe you know, that's very why he wanted career. to make the Silent Children to begin with. Maybe because of what he saw. Yeah, no, maybe he did. Maybe this guy's a good guy, but like he just can't he can't speak. He can't blow the cover of anybody else. He doesn't want any more A-listers to die. Or so maybe he's just gonna <laughs> shut up about it. Or maybe the silent children thing is just like someone saw that this company was disbanded in 2017, which is like kind of around the time of this, and they were making this movie, and it was the line of best fit and like, you know, to try to like find some kind of explanation hmm. for these deaths that did seem to like, you know, you're looking for some kind of organizing principle, you know, maybe, maybe there's a middle ground between these two things, but maybe like the, <laughs> you know, this, that's like not the reason <laughs> like maybe. Well, I mean, it, no, no, for sure. Um, I, I don't know though. It's a, it's just, it's, it's kind of eerie. <laughs> I'm not saying that, uh, no, no, I'm not. I mean, it is odd to me that, like, he, the TV thing that someone pointed out was, is strange, you know? Yeah, the Usually Apple TV thing. Usually suicide involves, like, a lot of, like, premeditation, like, unless that was, like, the straw that broke the camel's back. 
I mean, this they also set- reminds me of, of Bob Saget, who just died under somewhat mysterious hotel circumstances. It wasn't made a suicide, but it was just this kind of like there's this fuzziness around the sequence of events and people are being kind of like things don't add up. They seem very illogical. Like there's just I don't know. And it's like it's same with Bob Saget and Chris Cornell, like everyone who saw him before he went back to his hotel room said he was like sober he was like in a good mood he just wanted to watch apple tv but then Mm -hmm. he calls his wife and he's like incoherent like slurring his words like yeah it did somebody slip his switch his drugs out or something right the autopsy report said drugs would not contribute to his death you know and like the end of they did they released a toxicology report and everything and didn't seem to be like drug related but I guess his uh, his widow released a statement saying many of us who know Chris well noticed that he wasn't himself during his final hours. And that something was very off. Hmm. We have learned from his this report that several substances were found in his system. After so many years of sobriety, the moment of terrible judgment seems to have completely impaired and altered his state of mind. Something clearly went terribly wrong, and my children and I are heartbroken and are devastated that this moment can ever be taken back. We very much appreciate all the love we have received during this extremely difficult time and are dedicated to helping others and preventing this type of tragedy. Interesting. And yet they said that there wasn't like a role played by drugs and like at least the, you know, the coroner's report didn't. I mean, well, I guess drugs did not contribute to the cause of death. So like, you know, maybe drugs contributed to him wanting to kill himself. Yeah, Crazy Days and it's also, I think, like poured fuel in the fire of the aspect that somehow like his his widow was involved in doing it. Like Courtney Love style. And I don't know. Like this is like the cra- like, crazy days and I like crazy days and nights, but sometimes like they make very bold predictions that do not materialize. This is not to say maybe they're, uh, you know, it's it's interesting that you can kind of like weasel your way out of this because like, you know, the uh, Cornell's widow was blaming it on Ativan, basically, which he was prescribed, right? And mm. they were found in a system uh, butabitol, lorazepam, uh, pseudoephedrine, and it's metabolite, uh, nor pseudoephedrine, caffeine, and uh, naloxone. The caffeine came from no dose tablets, uh, while the pseudoephedrine was employed as a decongestant, okay? Other prescription drugs included the sedative uh, butabitol, Narcan. And four doses of lorazepam. Interesting that he had Narcan. But anyway. Yeah, when he has benzos, he only has benzos with him. Um, for, okay, so, so lorazepam, which is all, known as the anxiety medication Ativan. The Cornell family has previously blamed the rare side effects of Ativan, which includes suicidal thoughts, for catalyzing the singer's death. However, the medical examiner noted the 200, uh, you know, NG per uh, milliliter level of Ativan in Cornell's blood was well higher than the average 30 to 50 uh, NG uh, uh, milliliter dosage. I don't know why this is a weird notation. Uh, It was also lower than the 300 NG slash milliliter Ativan blood levels of those whose death are tied to the drug. So, but that so he didn't seems have like enough to kill him. That seems like yeah, he didn't overdose on Ativan, but he had like no. a lot of Ativan that could have led to, you know, him Brief being psychosis. in an altered state. Yeah, and but they're <sighs> like, it's not, it's not their fault. <laughs> like you know, uh, they're like well, they're not liable because he didn't overdose on it. He just took a bunch of it and became suicidal. I mean, like I don't I know guess which probably one is more they wouldn't unsa- be liable I, I, anyway because he took more than he was prescribed, but. 
we get yeah. back to the the thing about you know do, do people come up with conspiracy theories to you know give themselves like a comforting narrative blah 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 it's like i don't know which one's more unsettling that like the deep state like like snuck into his room or like switched out his meds and then like staged a suicide and like murdered him or or like some blackwater guys did it or that like a commonly prescribed anti-anxiety medication like literally made like an a-list rock star like go into temporary psychosis and hang himself like on an absolute whim like apropos nothing like i don't know which one's like more disturbing about our society or like they're both very unsettling you know yeah so i don't know uh yeah and then like there's no like liability for anybody um no, I would like to look into the order of the pug a little more later. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I don't know. And, like, uh, some tantalizing Orden. little hints from uh, Buttercup Joe, as always. But definitely uh, might have to go look know. at the the Secret Sun. Uh, also, some of their postings about it because I know a lot of people. Oh, the the last thing I have to mention is like the the, the most wild conspiracy theory to come out of this cluster was the notion that Chester Bennington's real father was John Podesta. Oh, okay. Remember that? I did not remember that. That was like, it was like the Pizzagate kind of crowd, like when they picked up on some of this stuff from Crazy Days and Nights, some people spun off in this direction. Because honestly, like, My instinct if you do, is if you like do to be look like, at them, why are these people obsessed with like everyone being related to each other? But then again, <laughs> I did kind of become convinced that like uh, uh, Justin Trudeau is Fidel Castro's son. So, uh, you know, maybe yeah. maybe they're also related. I mean, you know, I say that somewhat facetiously, but not 100 percent facetiously. Like, Th- that one is only truly like unsettling because they do look like, alike. And they, they were do look alike. I mean, honestly, the, they do. Around the time. <laughs> yeah. Like. I think they look more alike than than John and Tony Podesta look like the CGI sketches of like the Madeline McCann kidnapping. <laughs> I remember Though that I think too. there is a faint resemblance. Yes. Um, but of course that was of like the same guy, different descriptions of the same trying guy. trying to see a so side really by count. side, uh, John Podesta, Chester Beddington. Uh, this is, from, <laughs> yeah, there's an article in the Romania journal. <laughs> yes. I 100% believe both Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington were murdered. And in this conception, it would be kind of like a like a sacrificial ritual, like you sacrifice your kind of secret su- secret son. Hmm, interesting. Mm, wow. You know, synchronicity. Yeah, but but then it's kind of like, well, what about how Chester Bennington's dad was like an alcoholic LAPD detective? I think Bennington's dad actually did investigate like child sex crimes and things like that as a detective. So there was like a weird kind of. And then he himself got molested, but like not by his dad, by somebody else. Like a lot of weird kind of dark, like Franklin energy around Chester Bennington's adolescence. But was John Podesta his real biological father? I have not seen anything that would this indicate a, that like, uh, the paths crossed. Between this is a great uh, interview here um, with... Uh, Someone named, this is in the Romania Journal, as I mentioned, with a music rock journalist, Randy Rocket Cody of the Metal Den. Cool. Who is Randy Cody, and why only you so serious in this very dark and confused Chris Cornell case? This is kind of like, you know, written in imperfect English, I guess, due to the person being... (laughs) I guess Romanian. I am a rock music journalist. I own and operate my own website called themetalden.com, which is currently read in over a hundred countries and considered one of the premier spots on the web for hard rock and heavy metal news. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes on to, uh, 
You know, Chris and I are not related. I never even met the man or actually attended a Soundgarden concert. However, I was always a big fan of his incredible vocal prowess, going back to the first albums his grunge band put on. My younger brother did purchase a concert ticket to see Soundgarden play in Dallas, but it was scheduled for right after Chris died. So I know my bro was really bummed. The problem in America is we are battling what is called fake news as perpetuated by the mainstream media propaganda machine, CNN, etc. It's all about politics and using spin to make things appear different than they truly are. CNN are big liars. The globalist killing machine that is working hard to turn everything into a world government system, work hard to keep the truth hidden. Okay, etc., etc., etc. The EMT emergency responder that worked on Chris Cornell's lifeless body was recorded on audio saying that Chris had trauma to the back of the head and possible signs of strangulation. Yet the uh, autopsy report by Theodore Brown in Detroit makes no mention of the head wound, despite the fact that fans who watched Chris's final concert on YouTube noticed that a large chunk of hair has apparently been ripped out of his head in a violent manner. Interesting. Really? Okay. Uh, well, well that, that sounds a lot like Bob Saget, where he had this like huge blow on the back of his head, but they couldn't figure out anything in the in the hotel yeah, suite. Yeah, I can't tell. It's kind of this weird picture. But, I mean, I kind of see something. I, I could see it. Yeah, like it. It is weird. I'm not sure if it's just like, yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll send you this link to uh, watch out for some some pop ups here. But I'll, I'll put this so you can see the picture into the chat here. Uh, Okay, Romanian news. Here we go. Yes, I, I went right to the source and found some like Facebook comments that <laughs> somebody said John Podesta is Chester Bennington's real dad. He went to Haiti for a charity event with Chris Cornell, and they were both going to expose how certain elites were robbing and using Haiti, the Hillary Clinton crime family, my friends. <laughs> well, I mean, see, there was no connection to, as far as I know, I'm trying to look right now and see if they ever went on a charity trip to Haiti and were like ran into like Laura Silsby or whoever got arrested, like trafficking children down there. I mean, that was part of Pizzagate was the, the, and there was like that journalist who died mysteriously, who was like writing about human trafficking in Haiti and made some vague statements before she died about like NGOs. Here's a great Twitter post. Uh, Chester Bennington quote, John Podesta is my father. <laughs> did, he <say laughs> did he say that? Um, uh, yeah. Chester yeah. sang about Jesus at the funeral of his friend Chris Cornell, trying to rescue kids from pedophiles in Hollywood. Hashtag QAnon. Thank you. According to uh, uh, Randy Rocket Cody or whatever, yeah. he says that Chris Cornell had a foundation yes. uh, that, uh, that was trying I did to hear that. abuse yeah. children. Right. Do we know what the name of his foundation was? Um, I feel like if I search Chris Cornell Foundation, it's just going to come up with like foundations that were created after his his death. Oh, this no, is interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Vicky okay. and Chris Cornell Foundation was founded in 2012 to help the most vulnerable children. No. There you go. Randy Rocket Cody has it. It was formed in late 2012 with the mission to protect vulnerable children around the world. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's why this thing had legs to it is because there is like certain data points that did kind of, you know, like indicate that it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if you had this like Hollywood producer and like the widow of like the Dave Matthews band saxophonist like trying to make this movie about, you know, international sex trafficking and blah, 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 that they might reach out to an organization like the Chris and Vicky Cornell Foundation who, you know, have it as their mission you know, help abused and at-risk youth, children living in refugee camps, and victims of human trafficking, it says on their website. Yes. Um, oh, in, in April of this year, 
Chris and Vicky went to Greece to visit the Elionis refugee camp. Accompanied by staff from the International Rescue Committee, they met with Syrian families who fled the horrific violence that has engulfed the country for the last six years and resulted in the largest refugee crisis since World War II. Now, remember, didn't we bring up recently how in the one of the things in Pizzagate that got ignored was Frank Giustra, the Canadian mining kingpin, mm-hmm. had a uh, children's refugee in Greece on a Greek island that was a refugee camp for children called El Pita, and the logo was literally like a triangle folding into a triangle. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were involved, like him and Bill Clinton were involved in like so much like shady NGO business together. And also I'll give a little props to this like random QAnon account because they did mention Lincoln Park is an oddly similar name to Lincoln Park in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. It was discovered that Lincoln Park was a military base engaging in cooperative efforts through Canada and the USCIA to experiment on abducted children using MK Ultra mind control. Have you ever heard of Lincoln Park? Uh, I've heard of a lot. There's Calgary? a lot of Lincoln Parks. Uh, I've been to Calgary, uh, actually, but I really? don't think I went to Lincoln Park. Um, I always thought didn't the, I always it thought it referenced like in Calgary, Alberta. Wasn't there one in? There's definitely isn't one, there in, one Chicago. in Chicago. Yeah. 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 Okay. So this is a neighborhood in the southwest quadrant of Calgary. Yes. Um, the, there is a Royal Canadian Air Force airfield there. Or there was a lot of yeah military housing. Um, oh, and there was U.S. Air Force members stationed there during World War mm. II. And there also is Mount Royal University. So maybe that is where <laughs> there was MK Ultra stuff going on. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, uh, like, d- did Lincoln Park ever say? I mean, I guess it's uh, there's plausible deniability. Get out of here. There's plausible deniability. Uh, you know. I'm just looking up Lincoln Park name origin. Let's go back to the source. Okay. Sorry. Let me just turn the stop. Yeah. Go away. Oh, interesting. It this it was a play on an homage to Santa Monica's Lincoln Park, now called Christine Emerson Reed Park. And I guess that's why I've never heard of it in Santa Monica, because it's not called that anymore. Because hmm. they were L.A. kids. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Since renamed. This is one that's uh, this is one uh, one post that's saying Chester Bennington did kill himself, but because he couldn't bear uh, being Podesta's bastard child. <laughs> and really? yeah, he had a mayor breakdown when he found out. <laughs> Sorry, that pedophile rings linked with Clinton Foundation have been responsible for of human trafficking and prostitution of minors in Haiti. Given his past as a molested child, the connection of his own biological father to the pedophile rings, he couldn't bear it, so he offed himself. R.I.P. Wow. Interesting. So he found out that he was Podesta's son. Well, he, like, I guess he knew beforehand, but then when he found out that the Clinton Foundation was doing that <sighs> and that his own, his biological father was involved... Even well, okay, and you know what would be interesting? He was already I involved, think, I guess, in molesting him as a child. All right. Anyway. Uh, you know what could be interesting is that right. if, because Chris Cornell and his wife were going to Syria all the time and working with the International okay. Rescue Committee <laughs> mm-hmm. and looking at all these camps, so that maybe they were like involved mm-hmm. in kind of the whole scene of like Western NGOs going there. Yeah, well, you maybe know. they heard mm-hmm. through the grapevine about El Pita. And then right. heard some like disturbing things about it and then was like, oh, my God, there's people in this space that aren't trying to help children. They're actually like involved in the trafficking, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, didn't um, the producers say that like a particular focus of the movie was going to be, 
you know, uh, human, you know, child trafficking in countries where the governments are complicit. Or, or maybe like the, the whole thing with the silent children is just like to make this sound stupid when actually like there's a much more like direct connection, which is just that like, you know, they were involved in like the exact same field that some of this sus stuff happened in, like in terms of like trafficking refugees. Uh, because of his refugee foundation. Yeah, maybe he knew like some of that stuff, like, you know, maybe he had learned some of it. And maybe he either couldn't bear it, uh, so he had to take more Advan, or, you know. Maybe they switched out his Advan that night. Yeah, Didn't his, like, I wonder, I wonder if you him? could look into, like, okay, let's try to, we, I mean, we're running out of time, but uh, I do kind of want to see, I mean, Anthony Bourdain, he was worldly. I wonder if, like, they all had, like, you know, your sort of perfunctory celebrity uh, giving back foundation that happened to work, like, in that field because that would be interesting uh, that would be interesting i know that ashton kutcher had a foundation like that that was like all about combating like child trafficking but then he was like hanging out with a lot of sus people and like like he seemed like actually like not a super like sincere uh thing but you know i don't know but cornell and bennington were close friends i see cornell feels like more of a solid like maybe he was kind of looking into something because of his foundation and chester bennington has the personal angle and the fact that he's friends with cornell so like maybe they talked about it. and of course right like cornell died first right Yes, he was the first to die. Uh, I am seeing uh, Bourdain became a vocal advocate against sexual harassment in the restaurant industry, speaking out against celebrity chefs Mario Batali and John Besh. I remember and in that Hollywood, he did. Particularly following his then girlfriend Asia Argento's sexual abuse allegations against Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> Bourdain the accused Hollywood yeah. director Quentin Tarantino of complicity in the Weinstein sex scandal. Oh, I mean, well, see, that could have been something else too. Is that Bourdain was maybe running his mouth against people that perhaps, you know, he shouldn't have been running his mouth about. And also he got entrapped into like this bizarre fucking scheme dating that, um, I'm sorry, like super fucking satanic Ossia Argento. Who, I mean, she was probably, God knows, like growing up, like, you know, as an Argento, like I think she was exposed to like insane shit, but she definitely seemed to be a kind of um, destabilizing influence on Anthony. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and also the thing is he, paid a bunch of money because she had had sex with an actor a male actor like in the 90s like when he was like 16 or 17 and she was like in her 30s or or something like that and he came after her later like around kind of like the early part of the me too era and said you know you basically like statutorily raped me and blah 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 and basically wanted money and so this came out after Bourdain died I guess Bourdain paid this guy off like six figures to like go away and not talk about it. And then I think it got exposed later after that. So I think maybe the fact that he got in so deep, like trying to cover up, you know, his girlfriend's kind of mess. And then who knows what was going on between them. And then she was like photographed with the paparazzi, like making out with some French guy. And then he killed himself like shortly thereafter. There could have been a lot of mind games going on. I mean, all these guys also had histories of like hard drug, like heroin, meth, like yeah. PCP, is, cocaine, yeah. right. alcoholism. I remember Chris Cornell said that he took PCP and then it like derailed his life. And he was yeah, never the same afterwards, just taking one. Yeah. Yeah, that could do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Bennington left no suicide note. 
and he died on Chris Cornell's birthday. That could be an argument either for or against, right? It's like, oh, he wanted to commemorate it because he was so sad because his friend is gone, or it's like, it's a sign. You know, if he didn't, it just seems weird that he, this is like some Mark Lombardi shit. It just doesn't make sense why he would kill himself and not leave a note. I guess. And I think maybe Cornell, maybe Cornell, because I mean, come on, like at this world, think about it, like Harvey Weinstein, Brian Singer, like all the, like Brett Ratner, like they're, they're predators just roving around practically like openly. Mm-hmm. And the music industry industry is like incredibly fucking predatory and toxic. Like if you're yeah. in it, as long as these guys were, you, and you're not a complete like psychopath, like you're going to, if you care at all, like you're probably going to notice some dark shit going on. And I think there's always like this attitude of kind of like, if you want to keep your career going and, and, your success and all these good things like there's a bit of an omerta like don't talk about don't talk about dave geffen's shoes um don't talk about child trafficking operations under the guise of ngos in greece that are connected to the clinton foundation <laughs> like i mean once again maybe it is like the pizza pizza gatification of like giving something there's like these bits of tantalizing stuff to grab onto but it's been kind of it's all been shit coded and like kind of turned into like this wackier yeah, like fucking thing that doesn't have evidence like for it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I definitely see that too, because I mean like Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington, maybe you could say there's a connection like that's more, you know, uh, less, uh, like a, you know, sinister or, uh, no, like conspiracy required. Cause like they like were friends. So like that's a, particularly those two. I wouldn't say necessarily yeah. that Avicii and Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade are all connected to those two other guys, but these guys were f- very close they were friends. friends. Yeah. So in that respect, like you know, like them ki- killing themselves like next to each other. I mean, Kate Spade's suicide makes like you know independently makes sense because like wasn't her company like kind of failing and her marriage was failing too? Like. You know, yeah, there yeah. Like Though she did have the it. creepy her bro, her husband, who is like uh, David Spade's brother, made that like creepy like where's Kate advertisement where he's like kind of falling around this like female figure through a mansion. It's like where's Kate? <laughs> you know, and then like she <laughs> I died. Remember the yeah, mouse we, mask thing? Uh, he did that after. Yeah, he exhibited some very bizarre mm-hmm. behavior, but who knows? Maybe it's eccentric rich people like acting out. Um, mm-hmm. Hard to say, but. Uh, okay. The mystery, we, I guess, yeah. lingers. Uh, no satisfactory answer was was reached, but yeah. No, All right. to be continued. Here's a song from Scream. This is called Ground Zero. This is about sort of getting over the shitty, shitty horror of 9-11 and, and wanting to hate and stomp people's fucking faces in. Um, always, you know, it always ends up being for the wrong reasons. And then, you know, thinking about how we can try to figure out a way to make the world better instead of stupider. Uh, This is called Ground Zero.
Yeah, we're big friends. But I think this is, we have just enough time for this one. So why don't you go ahead and read that? Oh, the very last one? Yeah. Or or actually, if you want to do giraffe, rubit. Yeah, okay. The rubit one. Giraffe asks, anyone know anything about rubit? Uh, Someone just sent a TikTok about it. I think it's rubit. Oh, sorry, rubit. Sorry. Uh, someone just sent a TikTok about it. Can't find much online. Only weird thing uh, I could find is that one of the holding companies of Raw Entertainment, founded in May 2021, is based in Caracal, where a legal brothel was closed at then the start of the at the start of the pandemic. Sorry, the typos there. Except mm-hmm. Rubeat is based out of Cyprus. Couldn't find nothing based on their IP or anything. It's all sitting behind Cloudflare. The domain is registered on Namecheap, but has DNS protection, so there's no info about it. Though supposedly you can call Namecheap and they'll give you the info if you have a complaint to file. I don't know. Did you find anything? I didn't look. I remember finding this to be weird when this person posted it, when Giraffe posted it. Um, it's but, definitely a little bit creepy, like the TikTok video that, that went viral for it. Um, yeah, it's like it, it seems like they're just like people like, yeah, like sitting in rooms, like constant, like, you know, falling asleep and stuff like while playing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There. Um, what? Just to describe for people who are trying to visualize it, um, it is like an online kind of a casino website that I guess you can't access from the U.S. You can only access it like through a VPN or whatever. Um, and I guess you you know you can play like poker or blackjack or whatever, but it's like you're playing virtually with a real woman who is a dealer at like a card table Mm -hmm. and you're sort of like playing live against her. So it's kind of like a hybrid, like real slash virtual casino. And what they were pointing out is uh, this TikTok guy who has like 500 million followers, of course, and he's like 20. Um, But he was pointing out how like some people started noticing like weird behavior with these women and how uh, some of them seem to be like falling asleep at the table, which I guess seemed yeah. to imply that like they were being forced to work for yeah, like really long hours. Yeah. And he said at one point, like they showed a clip of like a woman falling, a woman dealer just like passing out of the table, and then these like security guards coming in and like removing her, but they're like dragging her along with her chair, right. which he said makes it seem like these women are yeah, like tied, tied to, to the her, chair. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is creepy. And then he also pointed out that yeah, I some saw of that. the women. Yeah, eerie for sure. Very creepy. Yeah, like some of the women wear masks, but like a lot of them don't. And yeah. that's, that's where weird it got. in general, because like, why are they like wearing masks like on a, in a virtual casino? Like, is, yeah, I guess it's there a little bizarre. People around them, like, you know, the security guards who drag them out when they pass out, but like. Uh, yeah, yeah, I forget if the security guards had masks on or something, but but they had a kind of sinister hypothesis for this, and they brought up in particular there was like one woman in particular who honestly kind of looks like like you can't see her full face, but like from behind the mask, she looks very like I don't know like malnourished or like yeah. strung out on something. Like she looks like not in good shape, but she has a face mask on, and they think some people have pointed to like this masked dealer woman. As a uh, Indiana University student, like an undergrad that was abducted like eight years ago and has never been found. Yeah, Lauren Spearer. Uh, so yeah. a few people wrote about this. <clears throat> this is a um, good place, I think, to like, you know, to me, that's a. I mean, maybe I'm wrong and it is Lauren Spearer. But my instinct is that like that is 
perhaps a good place to like draw the line like in some of these things because like I feel like it does in a way seem like very plausible to me that these women could be like extremely like maltreated or even trafficked like I mean it's really not that yeah. different from like being like a a sex worker or like a stripper or something like you know we're often treated very poorly and like often like work under horrible conditions like abusive conditions uh you know so mm-hmm. it's I, I could definitely see like it being very similar to work like in an environment like this but i do feel like yeah that's like kind of the same line that we were sort of circling around in the last question like when does it become like this sort of like gamified like true crime like you know detective like interactive game where people are like trying to match it up with like you know, abducted Americans, like that's less missing Americans. That's like less likely to me. And like, just a little bit like, you know, like that type of thing. Yeah. I mean, it it rubs up against a little bit of like true, like kind of exploitative kind of trope. Like it's taken, you know, like, yeah. yeah, Or like like, you can, you know, find out like who they like under the mask, like you can find out who they like really are, like matching them up with like missing people or something like it's, you know, much more likely that, you know, uh, they're like you wherever Rubit is based, like you know they're trafficked from there or Ukraine, like countries. <laughs> yeah, exactly from Ukraine. You know who knows? Um, yeah, like uh, M- Moldova, Cyprus, like uh, you know, Abu like Dhabi, I, I mean, people like, on TikTok like do weird stuff like this, like where they like you know this like some woman had like a messy house or something, and they're like you know theorizing that she's like a serial killer. I mean. You know, I hope she didn't turn out to be a serial killer, like or something. Uh, that I'm Hopefully saying, you know, not. But yeah. Yeah. No, um, but it's like the 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 confidence of youth on TikTok. It's yeah. really in abundance, and like this video has been viewed more than a million times. And actually, the mother of Lauren Spearer, like, you know, basically posted on Facebook, like she'd been made aware of this and like forwarded the information to the authorities, and I mean, took it seriously enough to like pass it along. Which you know, it does get in a dicey territory of like kind of hyping up like the families of victims giving them kind of false hope but i mean hey whatever chase down every lead right but it, it is kind of unlikely it, it, it betrays a little bit of like this is like movie thinking a little bit but i mean the aspect of these women being either drugged or abused or held against their will or being trafficked i have no problem i mean i have no like difficulty believing that happening you know yeah. Like this happens, I'm sure it happens with like cam girl stuff and for sure, yeah. Like like there are like industrial warehouses full of like, you know, people that are uh that are, you know, doing performing various services for other people online. Digital gambling is something where like I absolutely could, you know, yeah. Like I mean we've it's a shady traveled in like uh eastern europe it sounds quite plausible to me like that you know these could be people who are like coerced under these conditions or like you know they have no real choice like they're not like abducted american college students who are being held at gunpoint and forced to like deal blackjack but they have no other options maybe they are handcuffed to their chairs because like their bosses are probably like like, you know honestly they could be like ukrainian refugee you know young women who like fled to germany and then you know i I saw like an ad on Instagram from some like NGO like a couple weeks ago that was like, like Ukrainian girls, are you refugees? Like we're going to help you get into sex work now. Like, you know, kind of thing. And it's like on the one hand, it's like, okay, fine. If you're already a sex worker, I guess that's helpful. But it does have that other side of like, 
oh yeah. great a bunch of like really vulnerable girls who have nowhere to turn to or any way to support themselves yeah. like come uh, on in and get liberated like mm-hmm. uh, love it you know capitalism. that's a yikes that's a, it's a yikes from me yep me too uh yeah so i mean and and so who knows these could be like poor romanian girls that traveled to like you know germany or the czech republic to you yeah, know and they're get probably better not job like you know trying to escape at like every opportunity they probably don't have anywhere to escape to they probably don't have like you know they're probably like in a very desperate situation where like they have to do this or like this is you know the alternative to something even worse so it's, it's not like you know most likely totally. It's not like Rachel from Boston University or whatever. It's like, no, some of the commenters, the Daily Dot says, noted that the dealers appeared to have accents from Eastern Europe and suggested their working conditions were likely to be less favorable. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, yeah, like Eastern European. It's even common in America. If you go to Nevada, there's a lot of Eastern European um, uh, car dealers. But this is this looks like potentially... Yeah, the Ty the crazy guy, the person who, you know, sent this conspiracy theory. <laughs> what an amazing brand. Yeah. Uh, Ty the crazy guy thinks that, yeah, the dealers have been tied to their chairs. Well, and yeah, well, like when people like, you know, consume this like true crime content or like, you know, listen to these like or watch these like sort of uh, constant like gratification type like shows like, you know, and, like there's always like an unraveling mystery. You know, there has to be like all these little clues and hints to pick up on. And they like, anal- yeah. you know, like where there's like a deeper, like unraveling mystery. And like sometimes it's like hideous and like, you know, repugnant. But the gamification can like actually end up like obscuring things. You yeah. Know? Pokemon like, Go. We love to, like, like sleuthing and drawing like all kinds of like wild speculative <laughs> ideas. But I don't know. Sometimes like, you know, I think there's something sus about that, like impulse as well. Like in the way that it's cultivated and the way that it's like been disseminated in like the. You know. No, definitely. And it, it, it leaves a lot of room for cynicism because like if you know, if you throw something out there that it's like, you know, probably isn't true. Like, oh, I bet this girl with a mask on is let me look up like a missing person's case. Like, oh, this blonde girl went missing. Oh, I think it's her. And then, you know, it's going to get it's going to get a bunch of articles written about it. You're going to get a bunch of exposure. You're going to get exactly followers, a million, even like RTs and, and likes like, you know, just because you said like you posted or like you know this person's michael aquino's daughter or something or like yeah, you know yeah exactly look at exactly. this like artist sketch and like this is you know hillary or whatever like uh yeah, yeah hillary like, clinton's the zodiac killer or something like you know it's just like right i mean the yeah. they note here in the article that you know many users began claiming that a blonde dealer whose face was covered with a mask was actually a missing teenager from new york even though the dealer's eye color doesn't match those of the missing teen context. uh probably They're made her where I'm, yeah yeah somebody wrote somebody wrote probably made her wear a mask to hide her features if it was that girl who went missing another commenter said it's like dude no like that's probably not how i don't see it have i don't see it working that way i mean the idea that oh yeah wearing a mask to hide like an std or like uh some unattractive like feature or just like like they don't want to show their face or something or they're 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 trying to observe covid yeah exactly they trust fauci i don't know yeah anything (laughs) is a lot of things are more likely than that they're trying to hide like uh, there could be all kinds of reasons but it's like right there like you know if it's not like a a bourgeois college student like it's just not as interesting you know or not as important and like everyone's like wasting their time like trying to prove that this is like you know 
someone like me like they have blue eyes even though like you know like literally this is interesting this she is literally didn't have the, the yeah, right like eye. she didn't perfect. have the right eye color right yeah they like had to imagine yeah it was it's yeah it's the perfect it's like they probably put thing. like contact lenses make her wear contact they, lenses they, that they are different color to throw eyes. us off yeah exactly they dyed her yeah, eyes I, I, Again, like what kind of world do they think this is? The last thing I'll read here is other videos recently shared by Et Ty the Crazy Guy include those discussing conspiracy theories regarding the belief that the Earth is hollow, as well as the claim that artists Post Malone and Justin Bieber are actually the same person. I'll <laughs> tell you well, who's an op. Wow. It's Ty the Crazy Guy. Ty the Crazy Guy, Ty the crazy guy is 100% an op. He probably wow. went to the Ukraine like TikTok influencer like uh, thing and they Meeting were like, at the Ty House. the Crazy Guy, shit code everything. Like, All you right, know. Yeah, Your you're gonna be. They sent him like, to the. They sent him to the school for the Americas to learn like irregular like cyber warfare, like, irregular yeah. psychological warfare. By all right, you're gonna distract everybody. Yeah. By making them like, think that Post Malone is a clone of Justin. Yeah, Bieber. Yeah, just talk about how Justin Bieber is like a reptoid. Did you remember that story where Justin Bieber like shape shifted in front of everybody? If not, someone actually. Should, yeah. yeah wow. Well. I remember wow. that from a little while ago. He shape shifted like in an Australian airport, and everyone like screamed and panicked and ran. What was the source for that? <laughs> <laughs> what was the source for that? I don't know. TikTok. Um, Australian reptoid Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber's reptilian roots. Uh, conspiracy explained. This is just a link to Facebook. The theory about Justin Bieber transforming into a lizard, according to some very reputable sources like Your Newswire and Neon Nettle. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Australian news website Perth Now published a story during Bieber's recent videos that claims hundreds of witnesses saw their idol turn into a giant reptile. What the fuck? The alleged story allegedly interviewed several witnesses who served up some very exciting quotes like, they were girls hiding in toilets crying. Guys are running for the exits, jumping in taxis to get out of there. Um, Bieber okay, has a reptile had took a, a black stripe down the middle, big scaly claws that lash out angrily. Uh, they were running because he had Pixar black scaly claws. Happen. People, somebody would have been already filming Bieber when he shapeshifted and at mm. least have like a second of him shapeshifting before they run away. Like, no, sorry. I want to mm. believe, but no. I don't know. He probably disrupted the film and there's, I don't know. He probably used hypnosis to make everyone forget that it happened because lizards can do that. I think he's probably a clone, like in the yeah. Kyle Odom sense. You know, he's human, but kind of a, of empty vessel created for the he reptoid does do that Martians. thing where you get in like a tanning bed and you like right doesn't he do that like weird or oh hyperbaric sleep chamber right that's like weird uh oh. like oxygen therapy oh weird yeah, yeah i don't know i think he does a lot of shit for sure Who and he knows? goes to hillsong he does go to hillsong there's a new documentary coming out actually about how they're sus oh i'm looking forward to that finally you know finally i think the tide is turning but yeah. All right. Well, All right. we got eight questions done today. That pretty was good. good. That's pretty good. Yeah. 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 We did it pretty good. Uh, got a lot in there. Thank you to the Grotto As for their support and their yes. questions. Mm-hmm. We are slowly catching up. Yeah. We're, we're going to hit 2022 soon. Yeah, we will. The Jihad continues. It will. But until next time, dear listeners, stay vigilant. Peace. In my eyes, indisposed, in disguises no one knows, has the face, lies the snake, in the sun, in my disgrace, boiling heat, 
Come 